What up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the first, the very, very first episode of In the Paint. I'm George Beck now, and I'm going to be your host, your analyst, pretty much the whole show. And this is my podcast, and what I'm aiming to do, I just want to come to you, discuss what's going on in the world of sports, and just tell you how I see it. This is going to be my opinions. This doesn't reflect the opinion of anybody else. And I just want to give you my opinions, my take. So, if you have any feedback for me, or if you have any topics you'd like me to tackle, you want to discuss, you want to come on the show, you want to have a debate, whatever you want to do, I'm going to go ahead and give you that freedom to do it. My Instagram is in underscore the underscore paint. Hit me up, shoot me a message, let me know what you want to discuss. Now let's get to it. First on tonight's agenda, we're going to talk about my New Orleans Pelicans and DeMarcus Cousins. Unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins went down with an Achilles injury. He's out for the season. He was an all-star. He was an all-star starter. This young man was having a phenomenal year, so it's really, really unfortunate that he went down with an injury. But one question comes to mind. Did he get injured because of an over workload? Or, or was it just an, unfor- an unfortunate mishap? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it was, it was too much of a workload for DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm going to tell you why. He's having a career year. He was going for 25 points, 12 rebounds, which... By anybody's standards, that's really, really good. Last week he had he had a game for, for the ages. He had 40 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists. That hadn't been done since the 70s, and Will Chamberlain did it. So it tells you what kind of production this young man is putting out. So he obviously was overworked because the New Orleans Pelicans did not do a good job in the offseason to go ahead and get him and Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday some help. DeMarcus Cousins was averaging 36 minutes a game. Would you say that's a lot of minutes? Which it absolutely is. It's good for 10th in the NBA. But guess what? It was third on the team. That's right. The New Orleans Pelicans have three guys in the NBA's top 10 as far as minutes per game of played. He's right behind Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Now, what that tells me, and by watching the Pelicans, Alvin Gentry does not have the type of rotation to sustain a winning team, right? And now that you suffer a catastrophic injury like this, the whole season's down the two. So I'm challenging the New Orleans Pelicans to get better and to go out and find some more pieces because what you going to do now? You know, you go, what you go ride Anthony Davis? So you could go out and get something before the trade line, but unfortunately for the Pelicans, you have nothing to offer because Rajon Rondo is untradeable. You know, nobody's going to pay him. Nobody wants to take him. Honestly, the Pelicans, you shouldn't want to give him up, right? He's playing good basketball. Drew Holiday is playing good basketball. You absolutely can't give him up. And other than that, you have nothing anybody wants. So, I mean, the trade the trade deadline does you really no good, but 
I'd love to see a miracle. Maybe, maybe you do something. Try something. Because this was the best season in the post-Chris Paul era that you had down here in New Orleans basketball. And now all of a sudden your injury, your DeMarcus Cousin injury, and it went all out the tubes. So, unfortunately for the New Orleans Pelicans, your season is done. Speaking of the trade deadline, the team that we always talk about year in and year out, every year at this time, is the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? The Cleveland Cavaliers are in turmoil right now. They lost seven of their last 12 games. You're always talking about possible moves they're going to make. What does LeBron need to beat the Warriors? It seems like the same conversation we have in every year. Except this year is a lot worse, right? The Cleveland Cavaliers are ranked 29th in the NBA as far as total defense goes. I mean, if you can't stop anybody, you can't win, right? You need to play better defense. Now you got guys like Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas coming back from injury, having players-only meetings, calling out Kevin Love, and, and he's complaining because he's getting benched in the fourth quarter. But I'm like, dude, you're 5'6". You're a defensive liability already on a bad defensive team. Come on, man. You're going to be all right. So I think the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're falling apart as we speak. You know, And it's really, really unfortunate because the LeBron James era is coming to an end. And LeBron, you'll hear me say it thousands and thousands of times. LeBron James is the greatest player in the NBA right now. Even though he's been in the league 15 seasons, he's kept himself up in phenomenal shape. He always does what's necessary for him to be successful. For he, I feel like he's a team player. And right now, he's leading the Cavaliers in four out of five statistical categories. So what more can you ask the man to do, right? But let's be honest. LeBron James is the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James is also the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So what are you doing, LeBron? How, how, how long will we go with giving LeBron James a pass? Because his team isn't up to par. His team isn't as good as the Warriors. His team isn't as good as the Rockets. He isn't in the ideal situation. Well, it seems to me he's calling the shots. So, how long do we give LeBron a pass on this type of thing? And what do we expect? What do we expect the Cleveland Cavaliers to do? I mean, I've seen all kind of trade options, right? Involving Tristan Thompson going to Memphis for Marcus Saul or Kevin Love going to Phoenix for Tyson Chandler. You hear all kind of stuff. But what can the Cavaliers really do to A, make them better, be better than the Warriors, or B, why does the greatest player in the NBA always have to be in the perfect situation? You know, I get it. Michael Jordan has Scottie Pippen, right? But he won championships on two completely different Bulls teams. You know, the first three titles was a lot different from the second three titles. Only he and Scotty got all six of those rings. 
We never made excuses for Mike. Well, because Mike always won. Same thing with Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe, in the post-Shaq era, he went to the finals and got totally crushed by the Boston Celtics. That wasn't a good series. Andrew Bynum was hurt. I get it. But how often did we have to hear, well, maybe Kobe just doesn't have his team, or maybe this, or maybe that. We didn't hear that about Kobe Bryant. So, quite frankly, even though LeBron, you're the greatest player out there, you know, you, you, you've kept yourself in amazing shape, you work hard every night, and you don't cheat the game, but that's, that's on yourself. That's on your individual self. As far as you going out and win a title, I don't think you get a pass anymore for not having the ideal situation when you're, great, when you're the greatest player on earth. That's just my opinion. Yeah, the Warriors are better. So what? Yeah, they got Kevin Durant. So what? The Houston Rockets look really, really good. So what? LeBron, you're the greatest player on earth. And there's no more excuses in my book. You want to be the greatest to ever live, you got to get it done. You have to win in situations that that might be an uphill battle for you. So, hey, man. I'm tired of the pass for LeBron. I get it. The team's not as good as the Warriors, but no more passes. And I don't care what they do before the trade deadline. I just expect him to go out and get it done as the best player in the world. Now, whether Cleveland makes a deal before the trade deadline or not, that's yet to be seen. But somebody has made a major deal in the trade deadline, before the trade deadline, excuse me. And that is the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers sent their star, Blake Griffin, to the Detroit Pistons in return for small forward Tobias Harris, shooting guard Avery Bradley, and center Boba Moranovich, right? So you look at this, you, you look at this trade on paper, and obviously the first name that jumps out to you is Blake Griffin, right? Because he's been an all-star. He's been an all-star all these years. He's Blake Griffin. He's exciting to watch and all this good stuff, right? But I'm going to tell you, the team that won in this trade have to be the Clippers. Look, Blake Griffin is a great player. I'm not taking anything away from him. But without Chris Paul in Los Angeles, he loses some effectiveness. You know, Chris, without him having that pick and roll and without Chris Paul creating shots for him and taking him to another level, the Clippers weren't going to win with Blake Griffin. So, they got some more pieces to make themselves competitive. And I think they won this deal. Because, I mean, if you look at it, Tobias Harris is a nice young guy, right? He's go he's going from 18 and 5. 18 and 5. You add that to what Lou Williams is giving you on the perimeter, who's one of the people I feel like got, got snubbed for the All-Star. DeAndre Jordan is a, is a high-flying center, always plays above the rim, right? Anybody who can run the pick and roll with him, anybody who can who can get him some second chance shot opportunities, he's going to do well with those people. So he doesn't. So actually, I think he, Blake Griffin leaving actually helps him be a better player because now you got the the lane is more open. It's not as clogged because Blake Griffin is not playing close to the basket. So I actually like this move for the Clippers. You also got Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley is giving you 15 points a game. 
but he's also one of the premier defenders on the perimeter in the league. In in the Western Conference, when you're going up against the Rockets, you're going up against Golden State, it can't hurt to have a guy to go out and be able to guard people. That helps. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't expect the Clippers to beat any of these teams, but I understand what, what their thought process was and what they're trying to do. So, I like this move. And Marinovich, I mean, he's done absolutely nothing. But, hey, why not? Take him. He's 7'3". You can't teach height. You never know. You might look up and get and get some kind of production of him, out of him, but, but take him too. But clearly, in my mind, the Clippers are the clear-cut winner of this deal. So I like this. I like this for the Clippers. So shifting gears a little bit, I'm done with the basketball talk for tonight. I want to talk about the XFL. I want to talk about Vince McMahon, owner of the World Wrestling Entertainment, is getting back into football and, and resurrecting this XFL league that that he tried before that didn't work out. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I think this is a fantastic idea. I think the league is going to be successful. And, and, and Roger Goodell was asked about this league, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, and he was, he was asked straight up, does the NFL feel like this league is a threat? And his response was no, and I actually agree with him. This league is absolutely no threat to the NFL, but I'm going to tell you who needs to be worried. NCAA football, you need to be worried. And I'm going to tell you why. Obviously, college football will always flourish. It's a tradition. You know, you got these schools, especially around these bigger schools, right? They're always going to have great football programs. You know, your Alabamas of the world, your, I don't know, Ohio States, Michigans, all those guys, USC, I'm going to throw LSU in there. They're always going to have successful football programs, right? They're always going to have people in the stands. It's just going to, it just is what it is. But look, Major League Baseball has had a farm system forever. The NBA G League is coming up to be a viable farm system for them, right? So, Let's look at this. The NFL is lacking a farm system, and the NCAA is reaping major benefits because of it. But this brings up an interesting opportunity for a young man that, I don't know, that's clear-cut just wanting to go to the NFL, but doesn't feel like he needs college. You know? Like, for example, a guy, a guy that I watched his whole college career, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette coming out of St. Aug High School in New Orleans, it was clear that he was destined for the NFL. If Fournette could have gone straight from college, straight from high school to the pros, he would have, and I believe that he would have been able to make the jump. Now, he wouldn't have been as good as he was this year, his rookie year, but I think he would have been able to make an NFL roster and be able to contribute in some way, shape, form, or fashion. You know, 
you give these guys an opportunity to go play in another professional league and develop their skills with other professionals and actually get paid for it, I think that's a win for, for them, but I think that's a win for the NFL because you're putting those guys against other professional athletes and you become better. Then they're getting paid because a big thing in college football that people are discussing right now is why don't athletes get paid? And some of the schools can't pay athletes, right? But some can't. But this alleviates some of that issue, right? Go to the XFL at 18. You play for three years. You get popular. That's how the XFL can win, right? Because there's going to be some big-name guys who aren't eligible to play in the NFL, and you have to watch the XFL. The NFL wins because you're developing guys to go play in the NFL, play professionally, and they'll be developed more than going to play college football because college football, you have to be a student athlete. You have to go to class. You can only practice so much. But you teaching these guys how to be professionals before they get to the NFL, that is big. So in my mind, I'm thinking it's a win. And the, the organization that needs to be concerned about this is obviously the NCAA. Look, there's going to be some schools that's always going to sustain itself, but the NCAA might lose its luster to the casual fan if they're, if they're losing these big-name stars. So if I'm, the, if I'm the NCAA, I'm a little concerned right quick, NFL, not so much. But I'm looking forward to the XFL. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. I can't wait to watch it. I wish it was coming on this year because – after the Super Bowl, I'm not going to have anything to watch. You know, I, I'm going to watch a little basketball, but I'm going to, you know, until the playoffs come, I'm, I'm, I wish I would have had football. Point blank. But to stay on this football topic, I'm going to talk about the New Orleans Saints. To kind of wrap up the season, the New Orleans Saints had a, had a fantastic season. They exceeded all expectations. The Saints were 7-9, four out of the last five seasons. I don't think anybody expected much better, but they got some solid play out of some good out of some good rookies. Uh, Alvin Kamara being one, Ryan Ramzik, right tackle, being another one, Marshawn Lattimore being another guy, uh, Marcus Williams being a safety that he played well. They got some good production out of some young guys that they weren't really expecting to have, right? You know, you had you signed Adrian Peterson in the offseason. You weren't expecting all that out of Kamara. Mark Ingram played well. The line, the offensive line played well. The defense was a good turnover causing defense. They bent, but they didn't break so much. And the Saints finished eleven and nine. I mean eleven and five, excuse me, which was a lot better than expected. So they have a fantastic season. They win the they win the NFC South. For the first time since 2011, major success. They have a major letdown in the playoffs because they should have beat the Vikings. Um, Marcus Williams missed the tackle. The Vikings scored last play of the game, and they ended up going to Philly for the NFC title. But all in all, the Saints should be proud of themselves. They played a hell of a year, and it got, it's got me excited to watch them next year. But the first order of business, they're awesome business to take care of so they can stay on top. 
They got all the guts, all, all the all the internal components, right, to make a good run next year. But there's a couple of things you need to take care of. First order of business is your quarterback. Drew Brees is played at an all-star level his whole time in New Orleans. He played at an all-star caliber level this year, even though the running game has been a bigger part of the offense, more so than it's been since he's been in New Orleans this year. He still goes out and breaks the NFL record for completion percentage. He still throws for 4,300 yards, 20-plus touchdowns, less than 10 interceptions. He had a career year. This man is still playing on the elite level, and his contract's up. So what you do if you're the New Orleans Saints? I mean, you got to bring him, bring it back, right? Because this is the NFL. You can't say you have a young team and you just go transition to a new quarterback, right? Quarterbacks aren't just a dime a dozen. You have an elite quarterback that's still playing at elite level. You got to keep him. Now, I don't think the Saints need to sign a long-term deal for Drew Brees, but a two-year, $40 million contract might be a good look for the Saints and Drew Brees. Three-year, 55 mil at the longest, the absolute longest, maybe so. But I think they need to bring Brees back. I don't think. I know. They have to bring Drew Brees back for another year. They just have to. Now, a couple other positions they need to solidify, right? Kobe Fleener was brought over after Ben Watson left and went to Baltimore. And Ben Watson had that big season after the Saints lost uh, all-pro tight end Jimmy Graham. Fleena, in my opinion, is he just hasn't done the job. I feel like this is the year where Breeze has had the least weapons in the passing game. Um, a good year by Alvin Kamara helped that out. Uh, Mike Thomas has been an amazing receiver, probably the most talented wide receiver Breeze has had since he put on the Saints uniform. But other than that, the wide, the receiving core is, is very, very scarce, to say the least. You know, um, anytime Ted Ginn is your second receiver, presents a problem, and they still were able to go out and achieve what they did on offense. So hopefully, uh, Willis Sneed could come out and uh, be healthy this year. He, he wasn't productive at all, but it was due to health issues. So hopefully he can come back strong because the last two years prior to this year, he's had some good seasons, uh, a couple of 900-yard seasons, right? Um, so if he can come back and be productive, that would help out a lot. And then Ted Ginn can move over to his, third, his natural third receiver position where he can really stretch the field, right, where he's not catching passes over the middle. We're not relying on him to – catch shorter routes, he could go deep and really stretch that really stretch the defense for this New Orleans Saints offense. Um so you replace the tight end, maybe get a young tight end later on in the draft, get some help uh on, on the defensive line, get it maybe get a receiver later on in the draft. But I think you need to have Drew Brees a successor on the roster for the twenty eighteen season. You know? Kind of reminiscent to the old Green Bay Packers blueprint when they draft Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sits behind Brett Favre for a few years, right? And he really learns the game. He learns the position. And now, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. 
You know, Tom Brady is the greatest winner in the NFL at quarterback. But just as far as playing the position, making all the throws, being able to move in the pocket, having a strong arm, Aaron Rodgers is clearly the best quarterback in the NFL as far as just playing the position goes. But he was able to sit. He was able to learn behind the Hall of Famer. Now, the Saints are fortunate enough to draft Baker Mayfield. I think you do it. I mean, you have to do it. Uh, this guy, he has a similar build to Drew Brees. He's a he's a lot more mobile, obviously, because he's younger. Um, but I, I think the guy's a gamer. The guy just wins. And a lot of people are going to pass on him because he doesn't have the physical stature of some of these other guys like a like a Sam Donald or a Josh Rosen, right? But the guy's a baller. Uh, it kind of reminds me of last year when – all the analyticals say Mitchell Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes should be the first two quarterbacks drafted. But then you got a guy like Deshaun Watson that that put up like 60-plus points in Alabama, against Alabama in two consecutive national title games, right? The guy was just a winner. He balled, but people slept on him. He was the third quarterback taken, and then he had an amazing season before he tore his ASL, ACL. So, if I'm the New Orleans Saints and I have an opportunity to pick up Baker Mayfield, I'm picking it up. There's no better place for him to learn how to play the position other than in New Orleans. He can sit behind Drew Brees. He can work with the quarterback whisperer, Sean Payton. And and it could it could go a long way for this New Orleans Saints team. Um, and, and it could solidify kind of like a little dynasty, get, get some momentum and some winning seasons because outside of Drew Brees, all these guys are young, man. Like Cam Jordan, first team All Pro, seven years in. Mark Ingram, seven years in. Kamara, rookie. Marshawn Lattimore, rookie. You know, Mike Thomas, third or fourth year guy. Like all these guys are young, you know. So keep them together. Let them. Let's build on this. But uh, overall, great season, New Orleans Saints. Uh, I hate the fact that it ended in disappointment because I really thought that team had a good shot to go to Philadelphia and win the NFC title and have that Breeze versus Tom Brady Super Bowl. Um, That would have been something I would like to see. It just didn't happen this year. But I don't see any reason why this team can't return. So that's what I got on my mind this week. Like I said, if y'all have any suggestions, any type of feedback, I would really appreciate it. Till next time, I'll be in the paint.